gentlemen, Roy at the 250 from Nugget. I'm Thunderstruck. Jackano is also lifting. Jackano in the middle. Nugget. I'm Thunderstruck. Coming in, gentlemen, Roy. Four across the track. Roy's lifting. Gentlemen, Roy and Jackano. Gentlemen, Roy. Gentlemen, Roy and Jackano. And the sun went down. Given the margins of a short end, given the amount of interference, I'm learning to fly, but I ain't got wings. Nice bath. Hinge leads down to the 250. Adamo is holding in quickly. It's Hinge being tackled by Adamo. And it's time for the crow. Away goes Adamo now from Hinge. Definitely then by Mulga. See me burn. I'm learning to fly. Slicing through the back, running on, learning to fly, descending on them wide out there, six or seven out, learning to fly, right down the outside, learning to fly back to the Now on PG Podcast Network, it's time for the year-round carnival with Vince Accardi and your host, Racetrack Rolfie. And with a bit of Tom Petty leading us in, learning to fly, and wasn't she fantastic in the two-year-old race? Also audio of the ore stakes and the protest, courtesy of racing.com and, uh, and some real drama at both Randwick and Sandown. Sandown, the group one decided in the stewards room. Vince Accardi from Daily Sexuals. Good morning, mate. Ralphie, good morning. Well, we had fast horses everywhere, didn't we? And that, that's a good time of year. Yeah, fast horses. You just knew those tracks were quick, which is awesome. Absolutely. Well, we'll start with the group one, the uh, the CF4. Break that down. Best of the day is no surprise in uh, in Jack and O, but the surprise, I guess, was in the stewards room with, uh, with the overturning of the produce. You got an opinion there, or do you think it could have gone either way? Uh, well, <laughs> I actually felt that the the end decision was fair. Yep, yep. If you if, if you, I, if you look at all the angles, I mean, yep. I wasn't on the winner, so it wasn't like it's going to personally affect me. I was on the fourth horse, and the reality is, it, yeah, it was fair. It was close to the end, and no doubt, Jack and I looked like it was going to get up and win. So we did a, our deep dive on uh, on Friday on the podcast, and you can listen to it now. If you didn't get it, uh, we always put up the podcast completely unedited, and you can make your own judgment on the information we give. And the starting point was was really a uh, – I think it's one of the most fascinating things I've learned with, with you, Vince, and that is when horses run fast, they can't run fast again on the backup, and that can greatly affect the race shape. And this is what happened with Gentleman Roy, race to race, talk us through what he did in that first section, and – it's enabled him to run a fantastic new PB. Yeah, really unbelievable last start, like the one that just went by on the weekend. He's travelled 0.7 below benchmark, but when you compare it to the Sandown run the start before, that day the horse went 8.3 lengths above benchmark. And generally that's a sign of a flat line run to come, particularly with like a booming first up performance from that particular horse. And the reality was... 
I've always known for quite some time now that if you have a major reversal in the race shape, this is the only way you can overcome the flatness. And there it is. It's almost nine lengths difference in speed. And this is what's really helped the horse. And But the last two sections, they were, they were hot. So th- this is uh, this. I mean, obviously you back your numbers to, to to transfer across the board as we repeatedly see. But in this case, it's completely apples to apples because it's Sandown fourteen hundred nine yeah. lengths slower first six hundred meters. Yes, and and that's like that's huge, Ralphie, when you make such a big difference. That helped the horse a lot just to get through that first five six hundred meters, and then it was all about how well you're going to you know, be able to hold yourself. And it's just interesting. I was just having another look at the numbers there. And there's a there's a clear sign when you compare the first and second horse in terms of how much Gentleman Roy was weakening over the last 600 metres when compared to Jackano. Yeah, so you've ended up giving Jackano actually a, a slightly higher IVR figure than Gentleman Roy, even though, of course, before the protest, uh, Gentleman Roy was slightly across the line. Explain that. Yeah, well, one of the things that... Maybe, A, for the people that use the IVR data and and for, the, obviously, the people that don't, we do have the NPS margin there. And the NPS margin clearly shows... So that's shows, meters per second. Yep. You can see it in the box there in the summary. It clearly shows there's actually a 0.9 difference if you weigh up all the metres per second from start to finish in terms of uh, overall speed exertion. And this is like one of the indicators. The data sort of indicates that, you know, like Gentleman Roy, I mean, there was a fair bit of shifting in that last 50 metres, Ralphie. Yeah. But um, there wasn't just one horse that got affected. There was there was three or four horses that actually got affected. And the data sort of indicating Gentleman Roy could have finished as well back as fourth over the last, last 25, 30 metres. So to explain even further, Vince, the right-hand Co- uh, column of your uh, IVR report uh, is the it measures the mid-race squeeze. So that's the improvement yes. of speed from the 800 metres to the 400 metre mark. And here, Jackano's done 5.4 lengths more work and General Roy's off an even speed. So that, that says General Roy's got the perfect race shape. The horses behind him, and we'll get to the others, uh, have had to do significantly more work. Yeah, and the ride on General Roy was absolutely perfection, really. Yep. It was yep. perfection. This was... 100% the horses, you know, a position, you know, in terms of speed, you couldn't have picked it any better. So the other, want, reason yeah. that, the other reason they went a little bit slower is because Tuvalu and the Blinkers balked out the barriers and he's a fast horse. I noticed in the post-race comments, Jared Fry said that uh, they wouldn't. He, he wants to see the Blinkers come off the horse and he, so he can get back to showing the speed that he, he normally uh Produces, which is unusual for a uh, horse. Normally, the blinkers get him to show speed. In this case, occasionally, I suppose he's an older horse. They tried the blinkers, and he, he didn't produce that speed. No, he he, <laughs> he didn't. But his performance, like overall as well, when you sort of com- compare, like where it was positioned, how big the mid race squeeze was, a pretty solid performance by the horse, despite sort of being beaten, you know, a couple of lengths. So with Jackano, you uh, rounded off, and we we spoke about it in depth. But so after the race on the uh, on the Saturday, when, uh, sorry, on the Monday after the Thursday meeting, uh, when we broke down both Gentleman Roy, that was best of the day that we sent to our members, and uh, and Jackano, we expected a significant elevation. Spoke about this on the Friday, and Jackano, you rounded off your race speed profile comments, saying he's certainly a runner we expected launch off a first up run. If you were to press the three point eight links above benchmark level once again, it would be impossible to see him missing the top two. He demands a serious level of respect so 3.8 was his pb in the golden rose and here he is his match 
Yeah, well, this is they should be so happy that the horse has been able to do that. And not only has the horse matched it, but I just loved the brutal sustained speed that it could show over the last 800 metres, which is, again, just rubber stamping how comfortable this horse feels over this sort of distance range. I mean, there it is. Have a look at it, Ralphie. It's what it's 12.2 lengths combined, last 800 metres. Fantastic. I can't help thinking that in two weeks' time, the Futurity. Now, they're weighing up whether they go to the Futurity or the Australian Guineas. They probably can't do both because one's in two weeks, one's in three weeks. But they've stated at this stage that their intentions are Futurity. But the Futurity goes from hillside to lakeside. And that tells me much more early speed. And I can't help thinking that off this run, he's going to improve again in a, in a faster race. When's that? Two weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, well, you I mean, that's this run will take a bit out of the horse. There's no doubt about it. So it all comes back down to that first sectional speed. I mean, you're not going to always be able to get away with this sort of race shape. Yeah. What, what happens if you go a lot faster? This this can play a uh, – what well, could have an impact. A bit early to say just yet, but uh, – It's funny because the Australian Guineas looks his for the taking and, and uh, three weeks to a mile at Flemington looks absolutely ideal. So it would be interesting which way they go. Yeah, well, they've obviously been thinking about whether the sixteen hundred is where they want the horse or not. Is that right? Well, I suppose, or, or just whether the futurity is there for the stallion profile beating older horses again. So I don't know. Would it be a similar field? But like, who would it yeah. run against? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, maybe alligator. Well, maybe alligator blood can come in mm. as well. Okay. Um, Nugget. We well, there's two horses I reckon that I'd, I'd said they completely outstripped their PB. We'll get to the other one. One was Nugget, and he was absolutely fantastic. Oh, that was a monster run, really. Absolutely huge. Loved the performance of this horse. And, of course, took itself to another level. And when I say took itself to another level, it's really demonstrated, like, what this stable can do, Ralphie. Wow. (laughs) It's just incredible. They've they've improved this horse a good genuine couple of lengths. It peaked without a shadow of doubt on the weekend. Now it's just a matter of whether it can maintain that and stay there. But what we did get to see, this is another horse that just showed brilliant sustained speed and absolutely appreciated the race shape. Well, speaking of race shape, talk us through why you uh, did your pennies on uh, on Iron Thunderstruck in a, in a blanket finish, it's got to be said. Yeah, it was it was a, a tough one because I did like both Jack and Owen, I'm Thunderstruck. And in the end, I just sort of felt that I really loved the combination of the rider and the horse of course there was always the scenario that Jack and I did was just that one run more forward but when I sit back and look at it I don't know if there was much the rider could have done I mean 6.1 lengths below benchmark first section you look at that and say okay well that's a pretty cruisy speed it's going to allow you to at least have a big finish and when I sort of put it up against its typical profile it's very good. Could have gone faster. Well, maybe, but at the end of the day, it was a compact field. And, you know, you have to position yourself. Obviously, you don't want to be caught wide and things like that. The move was huge in the mid-race. The horse actually never stopped, Ralphie. It just kept coming. It was a 12.9 length mid-race squeeze. Not quite as big as Mr. Brightside, but the reality was the horse was there to win. And I don't think it could, I, I, put, I don't think they could have done any more. Initially, when I looked at it just from a vision point of view, I thought, oh, it just looked like it gave out last twenty five meters. Yep. Yes, there was the bump that might have been the end point for the horse. But I look at the numbers and say, okay, well, three point six last 
200 metres versus 3.7 for the winner. Clearly better than the other two. And then I even look at the last 400 metres, a lot stronger as well. So it all just come back down to, on this occasion, you just couldn't give Jackano a two-length head start and beat it. That's That, that was the difference. And what, I'm just looking at your speed forecast here. So it was above average at your early speed forecast. And it had the had the field gone two to three lengths above benchmark early, that then brings him and Mr. Brightside, they probably run one too. Would have changed the complexion a lot yeah. more. Though. Those other runners wouldn't have been able to sustain the finish they did. Yep. They definitely dropped off a couple of lengths in, in the late speed and it would have helped, well, definitely those two horses a lot more. But that was the race. I, I couldn't fault the run. Obviously, the horses come back sensational. I mean, a 3.3 first up performance, you'd go down the grid. That's as good as the horse has ever gone, Ralphie. Again, you know, just can't fault it. It's it's here to um, run to a new PB this campaign. So, as with Mr. Brightside, the, both uh, the, the stables of these two, with the All-Star Mile, the initial grand final, they'd be absolutely clapping their hands, walking off the course, win, lose, or draw after that. those performances. Oh, 100%, Ralphie, 100%. And Mr. Brightside come from just over a length further back. The, the squeeze on that particular horse in the mid-race was all, what, a length and a half more than I'm thunderstruck. And that was just a monster performance by that horse, Ralphie. I mean, the combined last... 800 metres, they've got this horse absolutely flying. <laughs> well, I'm just looking at your raw times. Now, I know it's a standing start, but I, yep. I like just um, you know, explaining to our listeners how your raw times can match up with the, with your IVR platform and your, in your benchmarking. But he's run his last 1,200 in 107.1. You just can't go faster. <laughs> no. <Nah, that's... laughs> this, this, was, this was a top-class race, Ralphie. Yeah, and and that, this form is going to hold very strong. I did Perth Radio on Sunday mornings, and you'd already done your IVR report. I said, oh, "Boys, I think this is the uh, form race of the of the autumn and spring, uh, autumn and summer rather. Over the next few weeks, this is going to set up. There were so many good runs. Yeah, well, definitely from a Victorian point of view. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah, then we'll obviously we'll get to Anna in, yes. in a sec. Um, well, Vince, uh, my, my favourite quote from yours on Sunday morning on the Update podcast. And by the way, uh, now you, you can get from now if you listen to this. Our lightning stakes. We're gonna we're doing the Group One season. Melbourne, Sydney, uh, probably Brisbane. So we'll continue there. The only thing that we will stop. We learnt this from last year. If Sydney have bottomless tracks again, we'll we'll have an RDO. But uh, we can't wait for Fleming this week. Lightning stakes day. So if you want to get the preview podcast via my website racetrackrelfie.com.au, we'll have a deep dive on the Friday of the Quaddy Legs, and then on Saturday we'll do all races, and it's an accompaniment to Vince's daily sectionals race speed profiles and uh and that gives you the best information on a saturday morning there speaking of the best information on saturday vince you said eventually everyone catches on it might take a decade and that is regarding pounding and there it was there was as much as ten dollars being available because he meet uh he met quarter pocket five links worse on, under the on five kilos sorry not links five kilos worse under the weight scale and uh he, he was just dominant again yes well i have to say i went from you know, having a sook to <laughs> get really, yeah, getting really excited and being really happy with pounding one. That was that was a sensational performance by that horse as well, Ralphie. I mean, wow. how's the stable going? Do you reckon it's been racing since July? <laughs> <laughs> well, we need that for, for racing. Yep. It, the more trainers we can have at their absolute best, the better the game is, and none better than Moody, of course. Right? We just know how brilliant he is. In his preparation of his horses, you can back his horses with confidence when you feel that they're right. And he, he's he's 
he's, he's going to be in for a hot season as well, right? Like, you know, red hot season. I mean, just love the, the performance though. 1.5 links below benchmark first section. This is pounding. 3.9 links above benchmark between the 8 and the 400 metres. Just a modest squeeze, yep. 5.5. Overall last 400 plus one. The taper came this time because we talked about it at the in the preview podcast. The big key was just trying to work out at what point this horse could be tapering. Yep. You know, to say it's had enough. And we couldn't see that in the data when we were looking at it. And I couldn't see it, like based on those last two runs leading into this. But this time we could see it. Today we've seen, you know, a 0.7 below benchmark last 200 metres off what I would have considered to be a speed that this horse can handle reasonably well. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to, you know, this is a horse I've, I've liked a lot for quite a while and it was good to see that it finally made me some good money. Well, this is what we wrote to our members. So our members get sent best of the day each uh, Monday. Oh, sorry, each Monday or Tuesday when I've, I've had the chance to write it up. But this is from Sizzlers. Uh, 2.3 links above benchmark, best of the day at Mooney Valley. So our members get best of the day. Dead set airborne for the on-fire Moody Yard, despite racing since July, is just thriving on good summer tracks. We sizzle him two starts back with a new PB Sandown, 1.6 lengths above benchmark, ranked fourth in the day and a new PB, and he backed it up a week later at Fleming with a slightly flat run win, going benchmark, ranked ninth in the day. Here, going to a new level in a fast, sustained, firm track mile, and we went on to break it down. So uh, he was just airborne, and as you said, that could be a sign of taper. We often say, Vince, the, um, the golden spot, uh, in a high, in a fast run race, it's three to, length, three to six lengths from the lead. They flew here. Now it's going to be said that Corner Pocket, the other main, one of the three main chances, uh, pulled up sore, so we couldn't know that. But we could know that Sunshine Rising was an older horse from Hong Kong. He was in a non-winning position, but there was an avalanche of money for it. Yeah, there was, and it was it was a fair performance by the horse. I mean, the, uh, it's one of the, uh, I guess the tough part was just that overextension in the mid-race. It was 9.9. It was pretty solid in terms of how much it had to move between the 8 and the 400 metres. Because it was and, 10 lengths from the leader. Yeah, and, yeah. and you, could, you could see, you look at the last 400 metres, for, for instance, you compare pounding, 1.7 above between the 4 and the 2 versus Sunshine Rising, who's now starting to deteriorate, 0.6. You can you actually see it from the 6 to the 400. The horse peaked at a plus 3.9 and then lost 3.3 lengths of velocity between the 4 and the 2 and then another length over the last 200 metres. And that's the horse was done with the move. But this is that run will absolutely uh, spike this horse's uh, cardio and the whole anaerobic and aerobic ability big time into its next start. That that's a that was a the perfect run. Unfortunately if you backed it for a win, you're probably gonna be disappointed, but it's a horse that you could well, I'm hoping it gets into the right race and we might even back it next time, Ralphie. What do you think his forecast is given these Hong Kong <laughs> level is so big? Now that he's a nine-year-old, he's obviously had some problems. Well, bottom line is this, Ralphie. It's a 0.6 below benchmark overall performance. Yep. That, that's the bottom line. Looking at what we can see here from a a conditioning point of view, and it's really the only way I can express it at this stage on how I would graph this horse up, I, I would just completely be ignoring anything from, from what it's done overseas. And the data's indicating that on the low – you've got one length, and on the high, you've got about three. So that's the range. So I am expecting this horse to be a benchmark, plus two range this campaign. In the right race, you're going to be winning. 
No doubt. Uh, Young Werther was a nice midfield run. Najee's asked potentially something on Young Werther from Australian Cup perspective. Looked a nice run of the ice events. I'll ask you that as part of the Group 1 yep. members bonus podcast that we'll do uh, after the, after this sh- show. We're also going to have a look at the Blue Diamond preludes from a Blue Diamond perspective, what we might have learnt there. So that'll be uh, Group 1 members will get an email that uh, uh, podcast straight after we do this and, um, and to become a Group 1 member because we are corporate bookmaker ad-free. Don't forget, uh, we're completely independent. And if you want to support us, you can go via my website, racetrackrelfie.com.au. Click through the links, and if you're a Group 1 member, you get a podcast every week. Uh, in the in the sprint race, Vince, the one nagging doubt for me was Uncommon James. wasn't his talent, and we discussed all this. It was the fact that he's grand finals in two weeks' time, and he, as a gelding, while they, they would have liked to have stayed undefeated, um, it doesn't really matter. It's all about winning as much prize money as you can do. He obviously was going to be a bit below his best, out wide, lofty strike, though, was at a new level. And I suppose you were beaten by what you didn't know because at this stage uh, he hadn't done anything near what he did on Saturday. Yeah, very true. This was this was a, a super win by this particular horse, Rafi. I, like, I really felt the last 200 metres of this horse was just, like, really, really impressive. Not only visually, but even when you actually put it under the scrutiny of the data. First section, 2.8 lengths below benchmark, just seemed to be the theme of the day. If you could be travelling benchmark or below, it was going to help you. The mid-race move probably was a big a big plus for the horse. It wasn't uh, an overreaction in the mid-race. It sort of went from minus 2.8 to plus 1.4. So this, the mid-race squeeze was around four lengths. And then, you know, just that excellent overall last two and 400. But there it is, 3.5 lengths, last 200 metres. It was wide, admittedly, not as wide as pounding. Pounding yep. came from the absolute widest position all day. But this, we sort of talked about this as well, Ralphie, on, on the podcast, the power of being wide at Sandown and how much more of an impact it would be if you're like sort of lanes, you know, the fence was 10, out, 10 off the fence. If you're one, two, three, four versus like, you know, if you're 10 off the fence or more. And this horse was pretty much in that line and you could see how significant the last 200 metres was. It was huge. Did he turn up very fit? Did he turn up very fit? Of course, he yeah. turned up in outstanding shape, and this no doubt helped the horse as well. But I have to say, I was taken by the run. Yep. It was a lot better than what I expected the horse to do. It's one of these situations. You've got to respect the horse, Ralphie. And now I could really see what it's capable of doing. So uh, this is going to be interesting. He's going to get a weight drop into the Akeley plate. I would confidently say that means the market's going to come for him in big time. Uncommon James is going to improve, and he's got a big PB <laughs> up, up his sleeve. And Chain of Lightning, of course, was a car crash watch. No, no uh, fault of Jamie Carr, but not only had no luck, but also in a slightly softer position in the track and the, and the inner lanes, as you've discussed. Can't help thinking the second and third also going to really elevate next start. Oh, for sure. And, and when you look at even the way Damien rode Uncommon Jones, he really looked to try and get the maximum efficiency out of the horse yep. and try to just give it, you know, use good speed through the first section from a first up point of view without overextending because it could have easily have gone faster and that could have made it more challenging for the horse. But he played the perfect role, just a subtle movement. He really tried to hold it all together right up until the last 200 metres, but just didn't have the same kick as the winner. And the lanes definitely played a big role in that. Both horses are on the rise, Ralphie. 
All right, we're going to write them up for our sizzlers. Paul's asked, I might do this as a tweener between, uh, before switching to Sydney because it's a more of a general question. Paul's asked, how do you penalise runners that consistently get back in their races? Is this reflected in your overall confidence of the race if your most advantaged selections have such a race pattern? Does the fact your investment for the play somewhat offset the negative speed map? Keep up the good work and happy punning. Well, of course, the grid plays a big role. Yep. And we sort of talked about the big challenge let's say for instance sand there was 1100 meters in the extension of the one of 100 meters up the straight and that was going to play a big role as well because the timing of when you're going to let the horse go is is very difficult especially when it's 500 meters straight if you get that wrong you get beaten even 400 meters is really tough as well Rolfie, trying to get that right for me i'm all about i don't sit there and just penalize the horse if they get back it just depends on the race shape if the race shape is a clear negative, then I'm inclined to stay away from it. But if it's a high-class horse, then I have, and coming from the right stable, then I also can have a level of confidence, even if it gets back, that I still want to participate on the horse. There's probably an example a couple of weeks ago at Mooney Valley when Worsfold was pretty short favourite, but you knew he was going to get back and you knew it was Mooney Valley and they keep running up front. So, um, you know, that would have been a costly lesson for a few. It is, Ralphie, and... One of the biggest things, and I, I used to do this a lot when I was younger, Ralphie, doing form, it's, you like, maybe I'm wrong in this, but I, I, I always like to try and put things into boxes initially and say, okay, if you don't get this, this is going to be the impact. And of course, I was doing a lot of weights, handicapping in those days, but the reality is, is it's actually really wrong to do that. What, what has to happen is every race is on its own merit in the moment and you should actually go in with a clear mind and not put yourself in a scenario where certain things are the stats say they're a negative yeah it it could be a negative but it might not be for that horse on that day and therefore don't have a narrow view because it can cost you a lot of money righto let's look at the rockstar animo returned a a big winner there in the apollo stakes uh not dominant but Almost never in doubt by the look of the eye. What's uh, what's he ended up producing on the clock? Animo, yes. Wow. Well, no surprise, of course. We, you know, the barrier trial. That's I don't know, Ralph. You, if you, you sent that out to all our listeners. For yeah, the this was that, now we did the, and we discussed it in the in the uh, in the group one bonus that uh, um, it, it was just electric. What it, what he produced in his barrier trial and. And how interesting, right, was that I was listening to James Cummings, and this is obviously long after we'd already done the, the information you know, from the trial, that they felt this horse was, like, really going extra well. And it was there from the data, from the barrier trial, that what's this horse going to do this campaign, right? Because, I mean, to come out and do a 1.8 barrier trial above benchmark, like, I guess, go to myself, how good's this horse going to be? Interesting, 11.3 lengths below benchmark first section on the weekend. Overall, 2.8 above. And the reason why I'm highlighting the 11.3 below, Ralphie, is it's impossible to run real time with that first section. It really is. It's just so tough, right? And generally, from my experiences, that costs you at least two or three lengths. Yep. And therefore, had they just gone two, three lengths faster, it was still a pretty comfortable speed. Still allows you to have high exertion late. The horse probably, this is anime, could have most likely have turned up and done a plus five or six first up. 
I'm glad it didn't in one yeah. way because this just means that, you know, look out for what we're in for. But, yeah, it was a it was a near faultless ride as well, Ralph. It was just, like it was never, ever in doubt. I can't help thinking this time last year, I think he got beaten in the Randwick Guineas and uh, and he said, no, James McDonald's just overdoing, getting too far back. And after that, I think he banged him on the speed in the Rose Hill Guineas and there was a demolition. And since then, he's been right on the pace, not leading, but of course, just stalking and, and as his strike rate beat Sids. Well, this is it, Ralphie. He knew that they were going to, you know, the pace was slow yep. and be forward. You don't yep. need to be back. I mean... Yeah, they could have gone back and been, you know, 15, 16 lengths below benchmark and maybe then a horse gets beaten or has to absolutely overextend over the last 1,000 metres as opposed to, let's say, the last 800 metres and they can undo a lot of things. So Daniel's one of our great supporters. He said, uh, any concern of flatness for Animo and Fangirl next run after their big mid-race squeezes, would a trial in between prevent this? Will they gain more benefit from Saturday's race shape compared if it had been a fast tempo? Does Vince think Fangirl would have won if she settled closer in the run? So probably a few questions there, but they're all sort of married up. Well, we just talked about Animo and the challenges of what happened if they had gone that far back. And you can see the mid-race squeeze, 19.3. That's That's heavy. That's for, a this heavy, is a fangirl. Yeah, this yeah. is a fangirl. This is a heavy squeeze for this particular horse first up. And it came off a very different trial in terms of what it did. I mean, in its trial, Ralphie, it was going 13 lengths below benchmark. So what's happened here is there's really been no difference. Like what I'm pointing out is it's more like a trial for the first half of the horse, but the second half of the race was it, it was explosive and it. There's one thing that I like about it. The one thing that I like is it gives us the clarity about where the horse is at this campaign, that it's going to be hot, you know, in terms of big producer. Would I be nervous? For sure. I'd be extremely nervous where this horse turns up second up, particularly if it's on a quick backup. This is Fangirl? This is Fangirl, yeah. but it'll be prefaced around. Do you get a similar race shape? Because if you go slow, you can see what happened in Melbourne. You can overcome flatline runs. I would also think that it's grand finals, not second up. I would think it's grand finals, third up into uh, into those Group 1 mares races. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if they made Santa Mo again. But what I'll ask you then, Vince, in two weeks' time, the likely target, as we speak, is uh, Mile for Animo and Zaki will likely with Zaki up front. So, you know, pace on. So in a fast mile, is that not – not? Uh, and we'll obviously break it down when we, when we do our work, but uh, we're just spitballing here. Do you think there's any chance of flatness for Animo off this, or is it ideal because basically the race has started at the 600 meter mark? No, it should be fine for Animo. Yep. He's proven he's proven many times in the past. He's like you just look at the first up last campaign, <clears throat> came off a absolute you know it was 18 lengths below benchmark, and then it was like a 1.5 length below benchmark in the mid. In other words, it was a 16 and a half length squeeze, pretty big, and then a huge last 400 that day. I just, it's this, Ralphie. The horse was a lot more forward in condition as well. That's a massive advantage. Yeah. Um, little little nugget in the, in the sprint there in race five, Vince, and your race speed profiles, Quantico. He's a very talented sprinter, resumes here after almost a year off the speed off the scene, after only having one run last campaign, failed to fight at Flemington. The camp opting to pull the pin. Peak IVR performance of 4.9 lengths above IVR benchmark highlights his optimum talent. He also has a two length above benchmark performance this course and distance in the locker, further frankling his class. The mounting yard report be vital after extended break. The green light from the parade, he's a dangerous runner in a race of this nature. Good odds, Vince. Good performance, too. Yeah, 
I can say that I was uh, smiling with this horse as well. I really felt that we were going to see this horse come to the forefront this campaign. Overall, performance, 1.6 above. Beautiful, beautiful resumption. And this is another stable that's like back in the top form. And that's Mr. O'Shea. It's just taking a little while for him to come you know, right to his top. You could see last campaign he was getting a number of horses. You know, he was tuning them up in the right races and they were performing superbly. And I just feel like he, he he's going to be in for a big campaign and this horse was no exception. Love the first section. Probably this is what won the horse to race for Offie. Pretty cruisy, 3.1 lengths below benchmark. Modest move between the 8 and the 400 of 2.9 lengths. Still travelling below benchmark. And excellent... Last 200 metres, that's where the horse did all the work, plus 1.8. And upwards and onwards, plus 1.6. Ralphie, overall, we're definitely trendlining to the 4.9. And we, we spoke about Pounding's Mile at Mooney Valley and how we put him in Sizzler. So we put the uh, we put Ascension in as well. Uh, 0.6 legs above benchmark, ranked eighth on the day, went third. Another very good run from this import, coming off a warnable win, went minus 0.2 legs above benchmark, winning over 1,700 here, minus 0.4 the 800. Plus 3.8 mid-race, plus 6.7 last 400. Clearly rock-hard fit. His ability to relax as he could step up to 2,000 without surprise should the elite stable head that way. Instead, they sent him up to Sydney and he won. Yeah, top top ride, easy race. And when I say top ride, a little bit of a slowdown between the four and the two, Rolf. Horse did slow about three and a half lengths. I don't like that when I yep. see that. All it just means is the horse still got more to come. What did we learn out of learning to fly? It was they they went right back from the wide barrier. I guess I get why. And when they when he rounded them up, and the, once again we can have a bit of a laugh about one of the myths of the wide barrier being a negative. He was she was out there in the in the best part of the track on the fast faster lanes. Overall performance has she gone a bit sideways? It is interesting that it's is a favourite now for the yeah. Mm. Yeah, They're taking okay. turns of being favourite. I can't help thinking there's there's, there's more to, more to come from a few here. Well, it's like everything. We can wait and see, but I'm reasonably confident the lanes played a huge role in this horse winning yep. the race. One of the things that I was looking through the course of the day, Ralphie, was how how dynamic the headwind was through the course of the day, right? And what sort of changes we had in the home straight, in particular. I've been just sort of really honing in the skills now that we've got this extra information coming from these major metro tracks. Although I have to say, in Melbourne at Sandown, for whatever reason, you know, couldn't get the same data, which I assume should have been there, but it wasn't there. Well, it wasn't there how I was trying to find it. But what was noticeable is this, just to give you a bit of a snapshot. In race one, early in the card, the home straight, the headwind was around 8.2 kilometres. In race two, it was 11.7. But from race three onwards, it was pretty much sitting in the 17 to 18 kilometre range headwind. So if you're getting cover and you're conserving energy and then you can get into those wide lanes, you are going to have a thumping advantage over the last few hundred metres over your competition, particularly with that type of headwind. And I was pretty much. You know, looking at not only was we were capturing the data all the way through the race, but we were capturing it on multiple occasions up the straight to see if there was any variable swings. Because what I've also learned about the data is you can get a bit of a misreading as well. So you need like some 
you need like some franking, right? So yep. if you if you're refreshing two or three times and you're getting the same out, output, then you know that it's going to be on point. But if you're getting a like, what would happen is if you refresh it once, it's ten kilometers an hour, and then you refresh again at seventeen, and then if it stays at seventeen when you refresh, then you know this is pretty much the the pressure of the home straight. So this this helped the horse, I feel, in a pretty serious way. I look at the lanes that it came in. 18, it was the widest runner for the entire day. In terms of where it was positioned at the 800 metre mark compared to the rest of the day, it was a lot more forward than a lot of other runners as well. So that was another plus sign. I, get, I guess all you got to do is beat the, the competition. I yep. get that, right? But what I'm looking at is I'm looking at where do you really sit? Minus 2.1 overall performance. It is a sideways run from the previous run. It's got a lot to do with that first section, but I, I felt that if they would have gone fast through the first section and tried to be a lot closer to the minus 1.7, there's no way this horse would have won. Gee, for a two-year-old, uh, sorry, not for a two-year-old, but for a sprinter, 1,100-metre race, just the 40th best last 400 and 200 of the day. So she's gone past pretty tired horses in front of her. Yeah, she has, but it's a young horse, and I yep. get that right. The The other little thing that could, and um, with two-year-olds, what we've learned, Ralphie, is that if they have a, a really solid run, they can be flattened at their next start. Only three-year-olds have been the horses that typically we've found that aren't flattened from one tough run. And maybe that run first up at Rose Hill, where it went benchmark plus 1.1, plus 1.8, might have flattened the horse. And that maybe that's the reason why there was no speed in the horse early, right? But it was definitely favoured by the rest. Well, they they backed it up in two weeks because of the huge prize money. So yep. what that's probably saying to you is, ideally, they would have given it three or four, three weeks off. Yep. and they didn't because, and that's fair enough because so you can only do what what the race programming tells you. So be very interesting to see where she goes forward. All right, well, uh, we'll look at In Secret as part of our bonus podcast for our members. In the meantime, uh, that's our that's our half hour wrap and uh, and some really good insight there from Vince Cardi. All of his work via DailySexuals.com.au or mine via RacetrackRalphie.com.au, including the opportunity to get our pre- Preview podcast of the Lightning Stakes Day. Thanks so much for listening to Year Round Carnival.